Alright, what's going on guys? Uh, today I am talking with Nero, and uh, we're going to be talking about Twitch, his life story, how he got into gaming, all of those things. And uh, so, Nero, tell us about yourself. I go by Nero on Twitch. I've been streaming for about six years, and I was inspired to get into the live streaming business basically from my university career studying brain science psychology, judgments, and decision-making, and seeing a bunch of flaws in how humans think about stuff. We have a bunch of bias. We follow a bunch of heuristics that work as mental shortcuts that keep us alive in a hunter-gatherer society. But if you've noticed, it's 2019. We're pretty far beyond that. So updating our thinking is a really, really important thing. And I was actually inspired to get into poker off the back of my degree. I have a bachelor's in cognitive science. Because I realized that these biased human beings were putting their real money on the line to play a competitive game. And I was like, this seems too easy to pass up. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Canada, established an account. And Wait, then, you went to Canada? Yeah, it's illegal to do online poker uh, here. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Certain states have legalized it now, but this was about not quite 10 years ago, about eight years ago. So how old were you at that time? 21. Okay. That's when I had finished my university. Okay, so you went to Canada and uh, you established this poker thing. And then what happened to you? I got my ass kicked, actually, because I had this, you know, like the young punk attitude of I'm gifted and talented. I've had good grades. I graduated early. How hard could it be? Poker is a very deep game. There's just a lot of math to it. There's a lot of knowledge that you have to gain. Uh, I got my ass kicked. I was four tabling in an internet cafe with it's just pennies and stuff so i wasn't putting myself at point of ruin but still you would think that those low stakes are very easy to beat but i was losing all the tables i was thinking it was going to balance out but it didn't and i just went back to my hotel and i was like really crushed and sad and i said all right i'm going to go to bed early and the next morning i'm going to wake up and i'm just going to read the forums to learn how poker works so i get up in the morning feeling kind of recharged and refreshed and i get to two plus two forums which was the main form at the time and i didn't know what half the words meant and i felt like a total idiot that <laughs> <laughs> i went all the way for this path and i had no idea like the language that people use to describe initiative position player profiles different hand archetype situations i just didn't know any of that so for me to think that i could be a winning player without even speaking the language it's kind of like expecting you can be a successful politician in a country that speaks a different language. You just can't communicate with the people. I could not communicate with the game or with the other players. So okay. that was a good smack in the face that I think was a wake up call for me. So did you ever become like a successful poker player in the sense like you were able to make money from the game? Yes. I what was it increased my bankroll by like two or three orders of magnitude or something. I had felt like through my poker training, I guess I should address that a little bit. Uh, there's a friend of mine, his name is Michael or Kukio, and we moved to Canada together. He was making pretty good bank with his job, and he believed in me doing this poker quest. He was actually one of the inspirations for doing it. And he said, you just train however you need to train, and it'll be cool. Like, I believe that you can succeed. So I would wake up in the morning, and the first thing I would do is I would just read a poker book for half an hour with a little spiral notebook next to me. And I would take notes of what I thought was important and also mark in the book itself. 
after I had read and then eaten and had coffee, I would put in some hands and I would mark the hands that I thought were confusing or tough or whatever. And then at the end of the session, I would review those hands. Beyond that, I would do some research. So I got to have a very pure training regimen for learning poker. And I got to make a lot of progress moving up the stakes. The general wisdom for moving up in stakes in poker is you should only ever sit at a given time with about 120th of your full bankroll. You don't want to sit with everything you have because luck is a factor in the short term. So you just want to insulate yourself a little bit from that like immediate bad luck of one session and allow your skill to shine over the long term. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's, you learned all the things you needed to know, which is like, you never want to play full handed and you only want to bet on the hands basically that are high probability hands. And even if you do have an edge, you really shouldn't obviously go ham because <laughs> you could, there's a little bit of random luck to it. Yeah. You well. shouldn't make it super obvious as well. The thing that really stood out from learning poker as opposed to learning sports was a lot of the books that you get for poker are just about tilt. You get an entire book called Tiltless or Mental Game of Poker. And in this book, there's nothing about how to play your hands correctly. It's only about how you respond to the outcomes, the emotions you feel, why you feel those emotions, how they affect your play and your results, and how you should inject some logic to think about that differently. Mm. And that, I think, was a really big factor in building what my stream is like now which is very uh, mindfulness oriented, where I try to point out like losing to that cannon rush, that pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to articulate what I should have done better. If I was distracted, I'll point out like I was distracted. So I'm going to forgive myself for that. It's, it's that kind of process of not just playing the game, but understanding how the game affects you and how you can respond to those effects. I just think it's really interesting that you kind of went from being a teenager to being, you know, going to school, finishing, and then that's the thing that that you went for, right? Like, Mm -hmm. a a normal 21-year-old is not like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Canada and play some poker. (laughs) I am not getting a job. Fuck that. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And so if we could just backtrack a little bit, you know, obviously your handle is Nero. What's your real name? Austin. Austin, right. And uh, where did you um, go to school and grow up and all of those things? I've spent the majority of my life in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Mm -hmm. I was born in Washington State, so I was about six or seven when we moved to Texas and I chose not to take the accent. It sounded kind of silly and less educated to me. Now I do it all the time on stream because I think it's really funny. But... Yeah. yeah, I don't have a Southern Texas accent unless I choose to employ it or whatever. But yeah, Dallas-Fort Worth area, I went to University of North Texas for two years, and that was through the Texas Academy of Math and Science program. Mm-hmm. That's uh, 200 selected students in the whole state of Texas, and they go to university at 16 instead of 18, which is the normal age. Right. Okay. And then you, so you went, so basically you were in like a higher program. Uh, there's states call it different things and than that but uh Mm -hmm. so like in florida you had like ap programs or you could actually completely finish half a year or i'm sorry two years of college in high school Mm -hmm. Uh, there's also something called ib programs here so something i guess along the lines of that to relate it to people that may not know what that is so then did you go to school at 16 
Yeah, okay. I was uh, fully enrolled at UNT. It was about 16 hours to 18 hours a semester. And then we're at a dorm on campus. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is I'm smart. I'm a real smart person. <laughs> I'm going to just say it for you. Yes. GT is the classification yes. that was bestowed upon me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> then, then that makes sense. You like, so you got out and you're like, I'm smart. I can make money gambling. There's no way I can't. And then you went through all kind of your life lessons. That's an interesting story, Nero. Yeah, it was a very sobering experience doing the poker stuff. The uh, That sobering aspect, I think, helped me approach StarCraft because I had kind of got that punk attitude out of the way before I was live. So people see Nero as like this really zen, chill, like he's mindful and stuff. I kind of wish people could have seen me when I was playing like Han and poker back in the day. That was a salty boy with the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that experience kind of mellowed you out a little bit and made you see like, I'm not the smartest person in the room and I always have something basically to learn, you know? Um, if giftedness is like a factor on learning. I think that's the hang up people have. It's not intellect, it's cognitive firepower. So if you have a person in front of a problem, if their giftedness is greater than, they're going to approach that problem and learn through it a little bit faster. But for something like a sport or trading or poker or, a PhD, it just takes so much time that maybe you're cutting off a couple months if you're gifted, but it's still a ton of work. So focusing on the giftedness, I feel like is a big waste of time for a lot of people. They kind of get lost in that like measuring contest of how smart are you? What's your IQ score? Meryl? Yeah. So like the thing is, is like, obviously too, like I've been tested on IQ tests and I, when I was like younger, I thought I would, was the shit, you know? And really what I learned through all of my life is like, you know, intelligence is relative to the task. If I went to work in a construction field, I would be completely lost. It doesn't matter how smart I am, you know? So I think that that's an important lesson. And so the same age as me, you're 29, right? 29, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of getting, we're almost 30, bro. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of just insane. All right, so when did you start going on Twitch when you were 24, 25? Mm-hmm. Yeah, around that age. The inspiration was we moved to Texas because my friend Michael got a big promotion for his job, and I was using those VPNs anyway, so it didn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. And I just clicked into Master League in StarCraft II. I had been kind of leveling up my skill in StarCraft. Just oh, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, 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 let's back up just a little bit. When did you start playing StarCraft? Wings of Liberty. Okay. I was a bronze level Protoss. And what Just, was your what was your age when you started? Twenty two. Okay. And now so at the age of twenty four, two years, you're in Masters League? Mm-hmm. Okay. And for those of you guys that don't know anything about this, basically in StarCraft, you go through different tiers. And uh, I'll let Nero explain the percentile of people in each in each category, such as bronze. Like, so it will actually tell you the population that reaches these specific achievements. Yeah, there are quite a few leagues. It goes; they've changed the percentages too, but the mm -hmm. the top two have stayed pretty much the same: bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and then master is usually the top two to seven percent, and then grandmaster is the top. 0.02%, I believe. So it's just about 200 people. Right, and, and that's based on that server 
and you know there's easily over a hundred thousand people so if you are a master's level you know starcraft player you're up there you're yeah. you're not just absolute trash at this game okay and most people it takes them i would say three to four years to actually be a competent masters player in a certain race which there are three races Terran, zerg protoss and nero generally plays zerg okay so you're a masters player you're 24 mm-hmm. all right you've been playing the game for literally two years that's great and then how did you so then you go on twitch and you start as a masters player on twitch basically yeah like a fresh masters player and i think at that point masters league was a little bit wider than it is now i think it was about seven percent so that would be the equivalent of like a high diamond player now yeah and i pitched it to my friend again he believed in me with the poker stuff and i demonstrated success there and i was like what do you think about a master gm twitch stream idea so your friend was your friend giving you money to play poker is that what he was doing well he just rolled me the initial two hundred dollars Oh, so he, he gave, gave me $200 for the online account, and then I built it up from there. Okay, very cool. That's a yeah. good fucking friend. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so then you go to him again. You say, yo, I got this grand idea. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he says what? He was like, well, I, I have seen Idra, so <laughs> I can tell these people need help. <laughs> I think you have a, you have a good chance. Uh-huh. Okay. And so you, so you do a bronze to GM series on YouTube? No, a master to GM. Oh, like it's a, GM. Road, okay. a road to GM climb because I'd never been GM before. So mm-hmm. I'm not demonstrating to the community how to get better at StarCraft. I am master, but I'm a low master. So I can't explain what GM play is like because I've never been there. Right. And then, uh, and this is the time when you were, and I'll probably add a couple of clips. This is the time where you were in your bedroom. Uh, and you didn't have this. You mm-hmm. were like a uh, baby face. Yeah, I, I was clean shaven. Yeah. I may shave it again. I'm kind of thinking about doing that for my 30th. I don't know if that would be a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Definitely. Obviously on men makes you look younger, obviously. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's the point. But what I'm saying is, is like, uh, I remember watching you on some of your older clips get GM and like you would just go ballistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was entertaining to watch. And then I would say that was one of the most satisfying moments of my life. Yeah. You could, you could see in your face, like you were just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh cue up America. Um, so it's just yeah so i watched that that's that's awesome very few people even back then because a lot of people you know with their saltiness nowadays they're like back in the day it was easier to be gm it was like no it's always been difficult to get there (laughs) yeah there was one difference in previous expansions to now which is if you ever got gm in the season all you had to do was remain active and you wouldn't lose your spot because it was just based on inactivity. Whereas now, every single day, if your MMR is slow enough, they just kick you out. Right, yeah. So. It's a cleansing, pretty much. They've, yeah. they've gone with the, uh, the cult-like mentality. If you're not yeah, part of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. And so you, you go to your friend, you say, I want to be on Twitch. And you guys have to remember, Twitch literally, I think, just started becoming a thing back then. 
it wasn't as popular as it is nowadays, I would say. Um, it was called Jason TV before. Justin TV. Or Justin TV, sorry. Yeah. Justin TV at the time. So you're talking about there's not a lot of users. People probably, even to this day, think Twitch is a dumb idea. Uh, mm-hmm. Your friend could have just been like, no, that's completely dumb. But he says, yeah, do that. So does he set you up with equipment or what does he do? Well, I already had a pretty decent computer. Like StarCraft is not one of the most intensive games to run. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing that at like medium to low graphics, you can get a stream going. And the thing that I think surprised me when I've been going to TwitchCon lately and talking with other streamers about their origin is a lot of people, they want to get on Twitch with the notion of trying to make money, which is really bad, I think, as an objective, because that one is relative to growth, to people choosing to follow and subscribe. But why would they do that? You have to give them some content. You have to give them something tangible where they feel like they're benefiting from the experience. Because... If you want to make it a business, you need to have a product. If you just have an empty store, it's just like a vacant building that's available for lease. <laughs> right. And someone's streaming, they're expecting to get money when it's just an empty store. So what I was trying to do was just stream my road to GM because that's a really epic journey. And people like to see someone taking a shot at that because it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of study and analysis and review and reflection and refinement of your builds. It gives people a rich understanding of the game. The gameplay is fast and exciting to watch. So that was my focus is I wanted to get GM on Twitch. Mm-hmm. I wasn't saying I want to make $20,000 on Twitch. I didn't even have any sense of numbers of that because it was just me and Nightbot at the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Nightbot is not a real person, guys. Just to let you know. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just a robot. Um, so you start your channel at 24. How long does it take you? So from masters to GM, like what was that like time span? I think it was about a year. So you were streaming on Twitch every day for a year. Mm -hmm. Pretty Pretty much much every day. Yeah. All right. And then also too, let's sidebar this just for a second. Are you making YouTube videos at this time? Cause you also have like a YouTube channel. And what are yes. you doing with that? So kind of how are, how are you doing this? So you're, and I'm doing this and I'm, the reason I'm asking you this stuff is because what you just said, a lot of people, and this is like the main point of this podcast, get into Twitch thinking they're going to make money. And actually I want to talk to people who have been doing this shit for five, six, 10 years, even some of them to let you guys know like what it takes. And so that's why I'm kind of going down this alleyway. So you're you're doing your GM thing, and then on the side you're doing YouTube, which is a great way, you know, if you guys are new to Twitch, to drive people to your Twitch channel. Um, Nero has an excellent kind of way of doing it. He does more of like a philosophical slash entertaining uh, YouTube channel. So, so are you making these videos at the same time, right? Yeah, the... Fun term that I've coined is edutainment (laughs) at the same time. But yeah, the the basic format, because I can kind of articulate the platforms that I use and what they do for me. Mm -hmm. But I I just want to focus on just back at that time. when. Okay. So like what you were doing, and then we can kind of, as we go through the years, 
you can back at that time it was pretty much exclusively streaming i did have a few silly videos that i would do if i would go visit my family we would go out in the forest and i would say mom hold the camera and i would read from sun Tzu art of war and jump around in the woods you can see neuro ronin rogue raconteur is the first neuro video that was okay. recorded as like a live thing this stuff doesn't make money YouTube still for me now is kind of like coffee money because I have a lot of music in my content and that gets monetized by the artist. So YouTube for me is like a library of resources for people to pull from if they want to learn or if they want to see something right then. But the Twitch is where the business is done. Right. But you're still directing people back to Twitch from your YouTube channel. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it was just silly stuff at that time. But your main focus was getting to GM, passing that barrage and so people could watch your journey as you do it and um were you as tactful as you were back then as you are now okay because in my opinion you play starcraft at, a, at an extremely high level and you're able to comment and that is extremely difficult i don't think people understand how difficult that is or were you just playing and people are just watching you like freak out whether you won or lost well, for my GM push itself, I had my mic muted for a lot of it, because if you want to actively move up in MMR, you should be putting 100% of your gameplay on the line, not trying to be funny at the same time. Because if you think about your brain like a pie chart, if you're going to devote a piece of the pie to commentary, that costs your brain resource to move your mouth and your face and think of the words that you want to use, right. which you could direct that into thinking about your next move in StarCraft. So. If you're really trying to move up, you should. And then the reminder to people who watch StarCraft streams and someone is giving commentary, please be gracious because <laughs> it does take a lot of energy to dedicate parts of your brain to talking and engaging with the audience. So you get some snide comments sometimes of, why are you not better, streamer? And you're actively talking to them in the match through this. It's, just, <laughs> it's silly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you achieved that. And did you find that when you hit that, did your stream, like, did you get more viewers after that for doing it for a year? Or were you still just kind of lone wolfing it with Nightbot? No, I think the GM promotion and the Twitch partner thing kind of happened fairly soon. I think it was a GM promotion in around August of a year. And then the next February or so was when I first got Twitch partner. And back then, I think it was... 125 average concurrent viewers to get Twitch partner. And I applied seven times for Twitch partner and I was rejected six times. So I've talked with some affiliates and people trying to get partner and they get sad because they applied and got rejected. Keep trying. Don't <laughs> give up after one attempt. And then someone says, no, <laughs> I, I, I got Twitch partner pretty much what the first shot. So <laughs> I didn't have to really do anything. <laughs> I'm lucky in that sense because I do hear horror stories about that. And Twitch partnership, all that means is like you can now make money and then Twitch will come along and say half of that is mine. So, hooray! <laughs> so, all right. So, all right. Now let's kind of fast forward. So, you do that. Are you playing at any tournaments at this time for StarCraft? Whenever there's a challenger qualifier, I play in that. And then if there's like a dream hack that's nearby, I'll go and make an appearance at that. Those for me are for fun. If I really wanted to take a shot at challenger league, I would need to do lights out 
uh, practice where I take a week off stream or two weeks off stream. Uh, if you want to look at a good example of someone who is a content creator who did that, Pig took, I think, two months off stream or something, and he just worked really hard on being the best player he could. And then he made an awesome tournament appearance. He went from Challenger League to Premier League and then got really far in that. So that was a, a really good case of someone who can do either one. But if you really want to be successful, you have to eliminate distractions. And streaming is a really big distraction from you playing the game your best. Because at the end of a match, sometimes you'll have audience people who have questions about certain parts of the match. But for you as a competitor, oftentimes you need to be focusing on something else. Oftentimes something that's more subtle, more nuanced, that maybe for them isn't going to apply to their games because they're over in Silver League and you're trying to get WCS Challenger. Right, which is, for those of you guys that don't know, is highly competitive. You're talking about mm -hmm. some of the best of the best of the best in the world uh you know that you're going to challenge or even in your local area there's always like that one rogue kid that's like i i was born in darkness <laughs> and he was you're like what and he was like i was born in darkness and he was like this is all i do okay so you always have that too all right and then so your channel has grown obviously in the last i don't know five years six years so what mm -hmm. did you do that you think was different than anyone else or not anyone else, but just helped you grow as a streamer? Because a lot of people that like we were just talking about come into Twitch, they're like, I'm gonna make it. And they just turn on their video game and they're just sitting there playing a video game. And oftentimes if you read on like Reddit forums and you read on other different like aspects, people are like, why does anyone watch this? This is like, why would anyone do this? There was even a report that came out recently that was like most people turn into Twitch to go to sleep, which I thought was kind of cute <laughs> in some ways. It's like, that, mm -hmm. that's cute. Um, they're falling asleep to your voice. But it's also someone could take that the wrong way and be like, am I that boring? Like, <laughs> so how did you how did you do it? You're asking a very important question, and I think it's a question that every streamer or every prospective hopeful streamer should be able to articulate. This might sound cocky or something, but you should know the key edges of your channel. Why would someone watch you if there are 20 other StarCraft streams that are alive, or that are alive at the same moment? So for me, my first and loudest edge was... I tried to stream more than every other StarCraft streamer. I got to do it full time, which I'm very grateful for. And there are monthly posts of who's put in the most hours and who's had the most viewers times hours and the most viewers. And I couldn't have the most viewers, but I could get the most hours. And the only person who beat me in hours was ProTech, but you were allowed to sleep on stream back then. So I kind of counted myself as first because I was awake. But I put in put in more hours than other people. All right, so, so stop me right there. So it's now illegal to fall asleep on, asleep on stream, right? It's not illegal, but they can cut your feet. Right, just like showing your feet. feet. Okay, so continue. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to be live more than other people. I wanted to have a more emotionally steady stream. Everyone has wins and losses. And if you're streaming ranked ladder, it's very stressful because people have a certain expectation for streamers should have this MMR. I've seen them at this MMR. If it goes down 200, I'm alarmed and I need to ask you what's wrong with you and your life right now, which the streamer is already really stressed that they fell 200 MMR. 
And I think that might be the most difficult aspect of live streaming, especially for a competitive game, is there's no point where the boss is away doing something else and maybe you can slack off a little bit. You've got people with their eyes on your every mistake, every little misstep, every time you accidentally blow up your banelings or misclick something or throw a big fight. They see that live and there's nothing you can do to get around that. So being able to absorb that in a graceful way where you still have some level of serenity, even if inside you're screaming, which sometimes does happen. <laughs> that was an edge that I tried to have was being really measured and poised, even through the swings. It's kind of like the rolling waves of the sea where everyone has their ups and downs. So you shouldn't be super surprised by a little downswing that's going to happen. If you're on an upswing, you know that there's a downswing that's coming ahead. So enjoy it. But you also shouldn't get the delusion that this is me forever now, just because you had one uptick in either viewers or MMR. Right. Yeah. And so this is the thing for those of you guys that don't know who are watching this, you're like, what is MMR? Basically, when you win a game in StarCraft 1v1, you get points. When you lose, they take away points. And there's some kind of crazy calculation that they do. And if you want to learn more about that, just go to Google. Um, and then this is the other thing, too. You know, a lot of people, I don't see a lot of people ever hate on StarCraft, but when you're streaming StarCraft like Nero does or all these other streamers and their master's level or above, it is extremely stressful for them because they want to, like you said, do a good job. And, you know, when they lose, people are like, be better. It's like, if you're so good, then you do it, you know? Like, it really is. It's kind of annoying when they do stuff like that. And also, I think for me, you know, watching people play StarCraft, you get a really, really good sense of how how good is this person at multitasking, the emotional checkup, because when you're in a high-stress game, and I don't know about you, Nero, I mean, I don't play at the same level as you, but if I verse you, for example, my adrenaline is pumping like crazy. I mean, mm. one time I was playing Livy B. I almost beat her, but I almost had a heart attack because I don't ever get pushed that hard. And my heart was like, and like, I don't know how people, you know, so you get when you're playing a real time strategy game like that, you also learn, I think, a lot about yourself and keeping yourself under control. I mean, if I was on stream and people were watching me on stream as I was playing at this high level, like I couldn't even talk really because I'm not used to that kind of stress when it comes down to that. So it's it's a really good, I think, game if you're trying to master your emotions, if you will, because you're really getting pressed all the time, kind of like in poker. You're going to get pressed. What are you going to yeah. do? And I think that's a great crossover for you, at least, of having poker into that StarCraft stream. Um, and so talk about some of the things that you did to proliferate your edge on Twitch. And this is going to include, you know, making your stream interesting. So what did you do to kind of give yourself that? So the analytical edge was one that I fought for quite a bit. A aspect that a lot of people, especially competitive gamers, don't think about for Twitch streaming is showmanship and speechcraft your ability to speak eloquently and clearly in a way that people understand and like to listen to is not gamer skill. That's language skill. So you have to be able to understand the game, have a level of mastery, but then also be able to explain that in a way that other people can comprehend and keep up with. So one of the videos that was kind of a 
spike of popularity for me was a barcode player accused me of map hacking when we were playing against each other. And that kind of hurts when someone's accusing you of foul play and cheating. I've never cheated in StarCraft 2, so I was kind of defensive and upset, and I just angrily went into the replay, and I pointed out every single edge that I acquired over the course of the match, and I was very kind of hyped up and amped from that accusation, and it got like the top of the StarCraft subreddit, a bunch of other people tweeted it, and that really got a lot of traction for me because they liked seeing that response to someone accusing me and instead of me like just insulting them or firing back it was me just very angrily going over every detail of the match right yeah i lost so you use reddit as well to do you know most of your social media gathering have you seen the movie gladiator yes do you know when he's talking with that uh former gladiator or whatever and He's talking about he wasn't the best because he killed quickly. He was the best because he won the crowd, so you should win the crowd. Mm -hmm. That's how I think of the StarCraft subreddit. It is the crowd. It's a big part of the community. And I wanted to try to understand who these people are and what they want, what they like to see, and what's fun for them. Because we're all kind of in this together. So if you can think about the long term of how can I, as a content creator, understand the audience that's in front of me and really try to win them over? That was my goal for that. So I've tried to have a really good reputation in the scene. I know there are lots of times when people make mistakes or they do certain stuff that rubs people the wrong way. So in terms of accountability and integrity, that's a really big point where it's not money to have a good reputation. It's not directly money in your account or to be principled or to be consistent in your behavior, but people respect that, I think. And fighting for that positive community reputation, even if it's not the, the fastest way to get rich or whatever, is long-term a really good thing. You know, you do something interesting in your stream, which I don't see a lot of actual people ever do, which is the green screen stuff that mm. you do, which is not to say a lot of people have green screens, but what Nero will do is if there's like a debate inside of his chat room, he will actually post himself as like a judge, like in a courtroom or yesterday we were just standing on a mountain and he was on a horse. Uh, so <laughs> where do you, where did this kind of all this stuff come from just to, uh, you know, well, the, the Twitch scene is very competitive now, and there are a lot of these kind of tricks. I actually learned this trick from a broadcaster named Sheezel, and he's a master's-level Protoss cannon rusher. So he's not, like, trying to be the best in the world. He just goes really hard in the memes. And he would do that kind of thing where he's green-screening himself in all these different places and stuff. And I, I DM'd the guy on Twitter, and I was like, would you coach me in your ways of doing this? <laughs> pay you whatever like you think would be a fair rate for that. So I paid him for his time and he showed me how to do it. Awesome. So I think really the important part of not falling behind in this like really competitive Twitch market is seeing what the other streamers are doing well and how you can take that skill set and then turn it into something that's uniquely your own. So I didn't just copy the scenes that he used. Right. He did it. I saw it as a method for adding some pizzazz to your channel. And I tried to add a bunch of scenes that represented me well that I could meme about with. Yeah. And I think, I think it works 
so well it's so funny it really is although sometimes i'll admit i do get lost of like if you just because if you if you're new to nero stream you just walk into that you're like what is going on so there's <laughs> there's usually context for everything i mean i've been in nero's chat for like two years now like last night i walk in he's just on a horse and i was like why are we on a horse and it was like in honor of the moderators i was like okay whatever whatever your boat. <laughs> you know and um yeah so i think that's a great thing to point out because again it's giving you as a twitch streamer that edge something that people remember and then they come back to the stream because it's not just about again turning on your console turning on your thing and you're just sitting there playing video games because you really do have to recapture uh that audience so mm -hmm. the other thing i wanted to ask you about was so what social media platforms do you use as a streamer to get your content out there um overall this is an area that i could improve on some but i do understand the basic format of it so twitch is the primary that's how i've built my business and that's where the vast majority of my revenue comes in so live streaming is where you're going to see me kind of at my best in terms of where how i've developed my skill set YouTube is the next biggest one for me where I have a lot of videos. We have daily uploads. Cobra X has come on as video editor and he highlights stuff from every single broadcast I do. On my stream deck, I have a mark button so I can mark different things. And he goes and he chops those and makes them into Twitch highlights, which I can then export to YouTube. I also do make some live action YouTube videos and stuff still. And also I've held some classes and things like this, coaching sessions. So basically, if you want to get some concentrated and condensed and clear set of information, the YouTube channel will be a place to go for that. If you want the answer to a question that 10,000 other people have asked, that's a good place to go. <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of money for me. YouTube is kind of like coffee and dinner money or something, whereas Twitch is like how you make your living. And then Twitter is how you communicate with the broader twitch community and the starcraft community so if there's something people are buzzing about you can share your opinions you can be part of that conversation that's kind of like your town hall and then reddit the starcraft subreddit is a really big place for me as we mentioned before that's kind of like your little enclave your team meeting of those are all the diehard tryhard starcraft people there are a lot of starcraft memes your success in the starcraft subreddit can mean a lot more traction on your channel so I really like the StarCraft subreddit. I know some people have been rubbed the wrong way by it, but I think they're mostly good people. I really like that scene. And then Instagram is one that I think I could learn some from you on. You're really good at using your Instagram for regular posts that are interesting and dynamic and stuff like this. Uh, this one I think is an aesthetic platform for me right now where you can see kind of me in the wild uh, doing different stuff, different updates of things, but... That one basically makes no money. I think the only way you can make money with Instagram is if you get really high metrics and then you get sponsored by people who want to sponsor Instagram pages. Yeah, another way is is like you can pay people to be on their Instagram. So like you could find someone that has like a million viewers and it's relatively cheap to like market yourself and what you do. Um, mm. Instagram, of course, just like every social media platform is not necessarily set up for the individual of what they're doing so 
you know, Instagram for me is my worst platform because it's like, I'm not, I'm not lifestyle marketing. So I'm not like, look at my money, look at this, look at that. You know, I'm also not like a shredded man. That's like, look at my abs and my titties, you know, like, so I can't, Wow. yeah, it's not something that I can, um, you know, really leverage as something. I just post there because I'm like, I might as well have like the trifecta, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So yeah. I was just trying to get a sense of like what you use because you're not always going to be able to hit every single platform in a neat way. Um, Cause it's just not going to work, you know? Yeah. And an angle that I've been working on over the past year that has been really fun is expanding the discord and making that an active and interesting place for people to hang out in, because that's a good place to talk with me and other people who are like-minded uh, when the stream isn't live and things like this, it kind of replaced what we used to use forums for. Yes, very much. We so. have a bunch of different channels. We have a philosophy, a politics, a memes, a, a cute animals channel, like a bunch of different stuff where people can speak to each other and share and stuff like that. And that's one of the things that I think is the most rewarding of being a long-term content creator and influencer is you develop this community and then you can see that friends are made within this community, genuine connections, People enjoy conversation with each other and hanging out. That's really rewarding. So, yeah, I think Discord is great. Uh, your community is great. You have a lot of active people, like so many active people. It's insane. Uh, you just started doing your WoW Classic thing. That, I think, has gone really well. Um, it's been super fun. So to give a quick rundown of that, we have the 60 Warrior. That's where we do the progression content. Bron Kafatan Mist Runner, a torn warrior. So we... We do the raids and stuff with that guy. And then we also have a cult building server that's really fun. <laughs> we're trying to think about the dankest, best possible religion and how to pitch it to people in a way that works. And that's kind of an exercise at understanding, like, what would be marketable for a good religion? Yesterday, we were talking about some people have churches that they go to, and they have a really good espresso machine, and it's free. So Sunday morning, do I want to go to church? They have really good coffee? Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> I mean, perks are a real factor for joining a religion. Like you want to think about how do I benefit from this? Why would I join this particular organization that's tax exempt? Yes. There's always something I think interesting in uh, Nero's, Nero's chat in discord. The next thing I want to talk about too, is like you've, when did you start doing uh, education for like teaching people to play Starcraft? Has that always been a part of what you do or is that just something recently new? It is a little bit newer. I've been doing analysis for a lot of my streaming career. I think it's gotten more clear and concise in the way that I portray stuff. I do have a book that I wrote that's been edited quite a bit. Uh, that's actually going to be cheaper. Now I'm doing a rework of my Patreon page because it used to be the book and then coaching oriented. And I'm going to make it podcast oriented where people can suggest different topics and then vote on topics and things like this so they can be a part of that conversation but the class series has been a really important part of my content that helped my channel grow a lot last year so there was a blizzard community member who coordinated with me getting me on the blizzard launcher for some classes so like saturday 2 p.m i would do a class on scouting and it's kind of a lecture format where i have a series of notes that everyone gets to read along with. And then we have examples in replays that we're covering different ways that it applies to all three races. And we try to really go hard in understanding 
a basic fundamental principle of how StarCraft works. We did a production class. We did a unit management class, that kind of thing. So a lot of other gamers, I think, in this scene haven't had a higher education. Many people go from high school into pro gaming and then into streaming. I went from high school into university into poker into StarCraft. So I didn't have that like pro gamer ramp up into a streamer transition as some of the others did. So that's a way for me to use the edges that I have and the experience that I have with so many university courses as you make a university class out of StarCraft teaching. Yeah, and that's the important thing. That's how hard this game is, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just like a game where you're just like, I shoot someone. Okay, it's not, it's not like that at all. Um, yeah, so I I think that's a really good thing. I There's not actually a lot of StarCraft streamers that teach. Um, so I think that's a really good edge for you. And it's a way to make, obviously, slightly extra monies for eating and living and doing whatever it is the Nero does outside of streaming. Mm-hmm. So, and um, do you have any words of wisdom? So if people want to get involved in Twitch, it should be based on love. Like you love the process of going live and talking with people. And the thing that's helped me a lot through the swings of growth and then some little downturns of viewership is to appreciate the individuals who choose to watch your channel. There are so many good TV shows to watch. There are so many good movies to watch. There are so many games that people could play. So for someone to watch your Twitch stream when you're live is a very big and important choice that you should have a lot of respect for. So you should value the viewer's time immensely and think about how can I make this expenditure of their time rewarding and fruitful as a human person who's watching you. They're not just a metric. They're not just oh, I have 15 viewers, but I would like 25 viewers. That's 15 fucking people who are watching you. That's amazing if you think about it. Like if you're just on the street like doing something and then a circle of 15 people is forming like wanting to see what you're doing, that's pretty badass. So appreciate that process as you're going along and don't forget the human element of it. You can't see your viewers. The camera is only on you. It's not on them. That may be for the better sometimes, but... (laughs) But yeah, the, the human aspect of Twitch streaming, I think, is one of the most rewarding and fruitful. The interaction of how the chat is a part of the show with the questions they can ask that end up being really funny. They can make jokes and they're really a part of that experience, which is one of my favorite things about live streaming on Twitch. Yeah, and you, and you do also, I think, I think what's most inspiring if you want to call it right or the coolest thing i think about what you do is you have all these different aspects and it's not just about playing games in front of people like so we've talked about a lot about what you do like education uh you know from your comedy routines that you do sometimes to you know keeping it real in terms of like philosophy but you also like uh have a show where you bring on different people uh, to talk about politics, to talk about philosophy. What was kind of the inspiration for all of that, just to take care of your viewers as a whole? Because that's something really unique. You don't ever find that. Well, one of the main things that people yearn for in life, I think, is really rich and uh, informative conversation where you talk with someone who is smart and they know some stuff. And by listening to them, you're just gaining a whole bunch of 
informational value. And that's really fun and exciting for people. And my audience, I think, especially is very uh, knowledge seeking. So to have someone on who has studied something very different from me and they can be an expert and I can be a host, it makes the stream like really enjoyable and valuable to watch. I've heard from a lot of people, they feel like in their day-to-day life, it's very rare that they can speak with someone who they feel like is really fun to talk to, who's very smart and has a lot that they can learn. So this is a way that, well, I've got someone who knows a whole bunch of stuff and we can just learn together. You've been on as well. We could uh, organize some, some more talks with you in the chat. But having someone with expert knowledge in a given domain means that you've got just a ton of resource available for all of them. So I have Agent Smith. He's on Sundays. We do politics. We do current events, world news, and also world history. Eche Fatum has helped us articulate some of the ancient philosophers and what they're about and talk about the principles of philosophy. And then we had you on to talk about trading. I think there would be a a really fun episode to kind of articulate what it is, uh, how to get started, and like what the awesome aspects of trading are, because I think it's something that I don't understand very well. I've seen some of your stuff, so I have a little bit of a grasp of it, but it's it's pretty similar to poker in a lot of ways and actually fairly similar to Starcraft strategy wise. Yep. So some of the, like, this is what I was telling you before. Some of the best traders I know are Starcraft players. <laughs> so kind of goes hand in hand. Well, Nero, I really appreciate all your time. And for those of you that, you know, are trying to become Twitch partners or be a part of Twitch or start your own service, this is a really good episode for you to listen to over and over and over again, because what you're going to see as I bring more people on and even with Nero, they are not just streaming. That's that's the thing that people like forget. It's not just about streaming. It's about all the content and making it interesting for the people that are supporting you, repping you and come visit your stream. And I appreciate it, Nero. Thanks for all your insight, bud. You've been massive for the support of my channel. I'm very grateful for that. And uh, really fun talk to you as well.